Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yawpcast for May 11th, 2020, featuring poet Jay Despande leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yawp is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic. Usually held in non-pandemic times at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. For more information about the YAWP and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Rita A. Simmons, Dan Varley, Kendall Thomas, Joe Nasta, Morgan Boyle, Todd Friedman, Christy Redfield, Harvey Sauce, Lila Rudishauser, Eric Acevedo, Hugh Tipping, Judy Schneier, Gabriel V. Cummings, Robin Romeo, Preeti Shah, Arthur Russell, Jordan E. Franklin, Constantine Jones, Julia Knobloch, Kayla Schwab, Kyle Seamus Brosnahan, Bill Livingston, and Bonnie Belay. So without any more unnecessary delays, let's get right to it. The Brooklyn Poets Yop Open Mic for May. Enjoy. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Uh, I would say, how are y'all doing? But, uh, well, I guess there are more panelists. Uh, I think I've converted all of you that are on the open mic list or the wait list to readers. I ask that you, if, if you are a panelist now, uh, to mute your mics, uh, just in case you have any dissonant noise or if you have a food order arriving or something like that, or somebody dings your computer uh, that doesn't show up uh, or doesn't uh, turn up on our audio. We are recording the webinar. Uh, we do have a podcast that we published for the Yop Open Mic that we call the Yopcast. Um, so this recording is going to obviously be used for the Yopcast. You can follow the, or you can subscribe to the Yopcast on iTunes or on SoundCloud. We would love it if you would do that and rate us five stars. I think we're now over 32 five-star ratings or something like that. Uh, that's a nice number, but you know what would be amazing is like 32,000 five-star ratings. So if all of you would get us started with that, that would be great. Um, a couple of announcements uh, on top of the announcements that I left you with, you with before the break. Uh, before we start the open mic proper, uh, what is happening next Monday, we're going to be back on a Zoom webinar next Monday, May 18th for our spring workshop showcase. That is our celebratory group reading featuring uh, students and faculty from our winter spring workshops. I think there's like 26 readers, uh, including myself, Kendall Thomas will be there and uh, probably a few other people on this uh, webinar right now that uh, I'm just not thinking, <laughs> I just can't process all that information. But that webinar is free, uh, so uh, check that out. We posted the event on Facebook. You'll get a newsletter for that tomorrow if you're on our newsletter. Uh, you just have to register on Zoom uh, to get the webinar link and you can join that. May 28th, which is a Thursday, uh, that's coming up the last week of the month. We are partnering with Brooklyn Public Library on uh, our second Brooklyn Poets Reading Series event of the year. We had originally planned to do this at the end of April, but I don't really have to tell you what the fuck happened in April. Uh, so we had to postpone that, but uh, we are bringing it back virtually as a free Zoom webinar with Brooklyn Public Library 
And the poets uh, are amazing. The lineup is one that I am especially excited about. Uh, Jose Oliveras, Aria Aber, and Rick Barrett will be reading. Uh, so definitely check that out. It starts at 7 p.m. Uh, and there will be a Q&A afterward if you have any questions for them. We don't usually do Q&As when we do the, the reading series live, but we will do the Q&A for the uh, webinar because it makes it a little more interactive. Uh, so definitely check out those events. Uh, we'll be sending out publicity for that pretty soon, but if you Google it uh, or look at the Brooklyn Poet Public Library website, they already have that event up uh, on their website. Um, I am going to go over some ground rules for the Yop Open Mic so that you know what the deal is. As I mentioned, we do record the Yop Open Mic as a podcast called the Yopcast. You don't have to be on the recording if you don't want to be. If you don't want to be, just email me, uh, coo at brooklynpost.org, uh, or just use the contact form on our website. That goes to me too, and I can take you off the recording. Uh, every month we vote for poem of the month and the 12 winners of poem of the month over the course of the year read at our poem of the year smackdown in December, which hopefully will be in person. Uh, God help us. I really hope it's in person. If it's not, we'll do it virtually, but the number to vote for poem of the month, and I'm going to share it right now in the chat is 718-374-1953. And I ask that you wait until the end of the open mic to vote and just give me the poet's name. As I said, I'm gonna screen share during the open mic, so it's gonna be pretty easy for you to see the poet's names uh, and, uh, and to spell their names correctly for a change <laughs> because usually you're just guessing. Sometimes like well, how the names are spelled. Uh, one thing is you can't vote for Jay Despande for Poem of the Month because yeah. he's a feature reader. So sorry, Jay, but you can't win this thing too. Um, <laughs> but everyone else is fair game. Um, so again, 718-374-1953, you should see, in that, see that number in the chat. I will repeat that throughout the night and go over the open mic list. Uh, if you are reading for the open mic, you have one poem, three minutes max. I've already looked at all the poems, so I'm pretty sure all of those poems fall under that constraint. And we will try to get to at least a few readers on the wait list at the end of the night. Okay, I think that is it. Uh, so I'm going to turn it over to our feature reader, and then we will get to the open mic after that. So give a warm virtual round of applause for Jay Despande, everyone. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, everybody. Uh, it's great. Like you know, I'm three hours behind you, or I guess most of you. But uh, I was like, okay, now this is time. So I did finally go and get my bourbon on the break. It felt just like being at 61 local. Uh, I'm gonna invoke my uh, reader privilege and, and do, I think, I guess two poems real quick. Do you have both of them up there, Jason? Is that okay? Move through those. Um, oh, sorry, I gotta scroll down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we go. This is a start. No, it's perfect. Um, so, okay, yeah. I think you'll see that my style with these at least is quite different from the word hoard idea, but I think I was kind of governed by juxtaposition in some weird ways. So this first poem is, kind of grappling with having moved from New York to California and all the things that come with being on the West Coast. But also it was a place where I had two poems that I was trying to write for a long time. And I didn't understand what either one of them was about. And uh, it wasn't until eventually, randomly, they kind of smashed into each other that uh, they started to come together and make a little sense. But part of this poem comes from going to this town in uh, Italy and Umbria called Gubbio, where they've got this festival every May where they actually do um, carry these giant 
giant candlesticks up through like a mile of this town until they reach the church at the top of the hill. And it seems like a race, but it's not because the same one always has to win the race, the same patron saint. Um, and that perplexed me for a long time. So here's wanting a child. Here in California, we can drive through any landscape, field, flower, forest, all in reach at sunset, affording not to notice the exhaust left in our stead. A day trip takes us to the edge of the continent, leaning out over some precipice, looking back. We are home by dinner, the house soft color, where our bodies move through dark, thin language and something calls urgently from after. Some days, I don't know if it's fair of me, built as I am, a man, unable to carry every inch of an idea into the future. In Gubbio, each spring brings the same pageant. Up hills of the, of the medieval town, up streets obscured by screaming crowds, three teams of men in bright blouses tumble upward with their tribute. Up switchbacks, up stone roads smoothed by centuries tradition. In the middle of May, they come this way to carry the wooden paraphrase of candles on their sweating rainbowed shoulders. Each four meters tall, an emblem of a patron saint. The same one wins each year. All Umbria comes to watch this alias of a race. The exertions are real. The men intent, although they know what little their ardor comes to. They pass the title on through blood. Each time the cheers subside when they touch the basilica. They set the good things down. What honor it must be to carry something so beyond you up into the sky up toward the face of God. What work your faith must take. What flagrancy. And I'll just round out with a sonnet. Um, this one, Joe was kind of talking about this one. This one just um, was published in American Poetry Review this month. And uh, I was thinking about the magnolias back in Brooklyn, back home in Fort Greene, but fortunately I live by magnolias here too. So. The, the sentiment still holds. Sonnet written walking under the mess some magnolia made. Even with my nose up here at six foot something, I know the color brown is sweet. Mm -hmm. This putrescence embarrasses no one. The petals, treacly vessels jangling overhead yesterday, I've taken a hint and gone down into the real grit of things. Where better than the sidewalk to speak achingly. I could go on. I'd say love makes us amenable to certain minor probable disasters. But what I mean by love is spring, over-eager and almost enough to make me wake up and like the insides of my mouth a little more. The petals talking vivid now. They say, finish your work and come back to us. We want to be nearest. We know which of our atoms were once in you, you who are a flower machine, who are a blossom for meaning, the scent of sweeter senders, the slobberiest part of the kiss. Mm. Thanks, everyone.
Amazing. Thank you. <laughs> the slobberiest part of the kiss. I don't think I've ever seen the word slobberiest before. Have you seen that before, Jay? Or is that when you use that, that was the first time you've ever seen no, it? No, no, I had not actually seen that, that before. I got some criticism in workshops for it, too. <laughs> Did you say that to your wife before you proposed? Like, you know what I love about you? This, the slobberiest part of your kiss. <laughs> uh i love being able to see so one benefit of these uh, virtual yops is we get to see the poems on the page and it really is uh, an enriching experience for me um i love both of these poems uh especially amenable to certain minor probable disasters uh good stuff stegner fellow uh <laughs> So uh, I want to encourage all of you, I mean, you're already doing it, uh, send in your uh, praise encomiums via the ch chat. Uh, again, you can, uh, I don't know, use jazz hands or something, virtual claps. Uh, for whatever reason, the emojis that are usually part of these things, maybe they get rid of them for the webinar. You have to, if you pay, they, they kill the emojis. I don't know what the relationship is there. But uh, definitely send in uh, your, your claps via the chat. I know the poets will love to see them. Uh, we are on to our open mic lineup proper. Our first reader off the open mic list is Rita A. Simmons. You might remember her from last month. How are you, Rita? I Can you hear me? Yes. You How are you? You can't see me though, right? Uh, I'm not Probably sure. Not. <laughs> is your camera enabled? Oh. oh. I can definitely hear you. Okay, now it's enabled. Okay, yes, I can see you. Great. Okay, hi. Go for it. Okay, I changed one word. I'm sorry. How dare you? <laughs> okay. This is called irises. I cried wide open throat every time I gave her irises. Too hard to pluck. I painted and presented them. She stuck them on the refrigerator till a whole garden grew there, crying in the kitchen. Please make him stop. When I finally fled my home, I promised never again to waste my watercolors on mother's favorite plant. It rained all night for years. My vow broke with the dawn. It's not the fault of irises if eyes don't see, ears won't hear. How much there is to lose if I refuse their deepening bruises, ivory cries, flaming falls, and buds enclosed with rainbows. I paint them when they call. Thank you, Rita. That was amazing. Thank you. I love this first line, especially, I cried wide open throat. It's an amazing opening. That's a very, uh, I would say, very Hart Cranian line. Do you know Hart Crane, my favorite poet? Yes. Okay. It's good that you do, because if you didn't, I was about to uh, banish you from this webinar. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, thank you very much. That was a, a, a great start to the open mic. Uh, our next reader is the one and only Dan Varley. Hopefully we don't have any, uh, technical difficulties this time, Dan, but I am prepared in case we do. How are you, Dan? Hey, there you are. Sorry. I was, was like physically muted there. Sorry. My bad. Yes. Well, you All sound right. good. Thank you. I'm on a different laptop this time. Yes. This is promising. Yeah. You know, we, we, we learn sometimes. Is that a uh, new mustache? 
A little bit. It's a little bit of a mustache. I don't have to be on any Zoom calls. Uh, Let's say that's a full-grown mustache, man. Well, I mean, like, it's, it's not like, like the sides. <laughs> like, I haven't shaved off the sides. I'm that sure would be a, that would be a beard. Uh, facial hair choices. <laughs> okay, go for it. I'm going to mute my mic. <laughs> um, so just a quick note. I screwed up, and you can see how my creative process works. Um, because when it says original, that's the original poem, and I don't like to throw away the original poem. So where, where I stop reading, that's where it's going to end. Um, but if you're really curious, and then I keep all my killed lines on the second page. So you can, just, you can just scroll all the way past that once we're done with reading it. Um, so really briefly, this is about, well, I, I really hate golf, so just don't think that I like golf. Um, but the terminology of, of well, like different um, sports I find really interesting. Um, like the word looper is the word for a caddy. Um, that stuff just, I always just drives me, drives me wild. Um, I love words like that. So um, let me get into it. It's called Looper. He wore an apron with big pockets for tees, extra Pro V1s, a crest embroidered green, at the turn, young members bought him hot dogs and cola and wanted to know where he lived, where he went to school, if he had been with someone yet. Later that day, they asked him to read the greens for them. He bent down on one knee as if listening to the secrets there. Just moan, runs fast, left to right, he said, predicting how the putt would pass through the bent grass. They asked how he got good at it, but he didn't say. They wouldn't know how to look at their own faces, recognizing the easy contours, knowing how all of it would break. That's it. <laughs> okay, thank you. I was wondering what all of this other stuff was. <laughs> yeah, so like killed lines are like that stuff as I'm writing and I'm editing, like this was a poem, like where it says bluebird skies, uh -huh. I was originally about writing about the phrase bluebird skies that I had heard. Um, and then it's, and like how the, that person that, that the looper had fallen in love with the phrase bluebird skies um, <laughs> instead of like caring about golf. So, right. yeah. Well, I think the final version is, is better. Thank so, you. Uh, yeah. I feel like we should workshop. We should workshop your. So that was a, that was a technical error. So I'm two for two, basically. When I saw the title, though, I thought it was a reference to that movie. There's a movie called Looper, isn't there? Have you seen that movie? It's not about golf. It's, no. it's about like time travel and shit. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's probably like Total Recall or something like that, like around that era. Right, yeah, kind of. They're like all the same. There's just no Arnold in it. Um, no. <laughs> Uh, but I enjoy I, I enjoy a poem about golf uh, every now and then. I'm terrible at golf, but yeah, channeling uh, my inner Billy Collins or something like that. <laughs> uh, I wish I was good at golf. Uh, well, not really. Uh, thank you, Dan. That thank was you. terrific. Uh, this next poem is, but I feel like I'm partial to this one because not only is Kendall Thomas a, a staff member of ours, but uh, she wrote this poem in my uh, blank verse workshop. So. Uh, this is maybe my favorite poem tonight, but uh, don't let that wow. influence you when you vote. So, uh, Kendall Thomas, go for it. Thanks, Jason. Wow, what an intro. Um, if you're going to be here for the workshop showcase, you'll probably hear this again, so I apologize in advance. 
Um, this is Dairy Queen's 16-year-old Employee of the Year award speech. In grill to my right, the clumpy grease of fried beef coats the surfaces and weighs down the air. The boy's skin gleams with it. In chill to my left, big bags of ice cream concentrate slosh in their spinning chambers, everything coated with their sticky spill. They trap candy crumbs like polyurethane over old photos in a kitschy local eatery. The boys and girls go home with all of it under their nails and caked in their brows. Between these worlds is mine. I stand carefully selected as a service girl, basking in the only available sun behind the counter. That's where I wait for your suburban to approach and trigger my script. I know my place here on these nine tiles, smiling through your window, all lit up. He knows his place too, this manager, behind me, emanating good old fun and stale smoke in my ear, nothing inappropriate, a 40-something one of the boys. I know my place here through his always heavy stares, try to joke, sir, can I help you? He laughs, maybe when you're older. Back in grill, a boy squirts mayo through the air. I laugh, stare down, my dustpan walls hold me, coated with coagulated dairy drips and patty spurts and peppered with sprinkles, spicy chicken breading, stuck in the sun, I know. Thanks. Thank you. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it's it's an amazing poem uh that uh maybe when you're older is such a creepy line. <laughs> i don't think i noticed how creepy that was until this time that you read it uh but it's very creepy and then what follows it is even creepier all of the uh, the imagery <laughs> it hits me again every time too so <laughs> yeah uh amazing poem you will never see dairy queen again sorry if this ruined dairy queen for you uh all of you that grew up with dairy queen like i did but uh <laughs> these are the truths that need to be told by the poets of america uh and it's also in blank verse so that's amazing uh and is a, a great plug for our workshop so thank you for that kindle for uh helping us on all of those fronts and uh hopefully you never have to work for dairy queen ever again um and Really, hopefully for all of you, that you never have to work for Dairy Queen ever again. Uh, our next poet is Joe Nasta, longtime Brooklyn Poets member, has taken many of our workshops and retreats, uh, and uh, is usually in Seattle or some other part of the world, but uh, is obviously able to join us now virtually. How are you, Joe? I'm good. Yeah, I'm in Seattle right now. All right. You're looking really cool. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay, so my poem's called Saudage, and I messed up the coordinates. There's supposed to be a west at the end. Um, so it's 31 degrees, 21 minutes south by 72 degrees, 26 minutes west. We've seen the horizon and it's always the same. Of course, I was drowning. Are there different tides inside tedium? For three hours, we were living in the same day. Today, just a bit of a nuisance. There are birds in the middle of the ocean. I read this all to you in your sleep. The expressions on their beaks feel familiar. How beautiful, rippling, I whisper. You called me dumb because water is the same everywhere. It's more than beauty the way our bodies are connected the rolling equal in all corners of the world, each of our fingers, wrists, and elbows. We are not only together when we are together. I distract myself immediately. 
I can explain lust straightforwardly, but I miss the fire. At anchor somewhere off Chile, we took a launch to shore. I did not answer when the trip flew by looking. There has been so much I don't feel due to the earthquakes. Can you forgive me for enjoying no romance, wanting absorption of the hip? Sometimes I look back and feel something. I have finally gotten resolution, little boats strategically placed, firing off the same fireworks I watched from the highest point of our anchorage, battling between two extremes, several at once and not one stopping. I was not filled by any emotion. I just watched the flames. Damn, great ending. I just watched the flames. Very uh, apocalyptic. Um, I love this form, Joe. It's, <laughs> there's a lot going on here, just typographically. It's pretty cool. I'm just going to, sorry, I'm just going to scroll back through everyone. Sorry if that's bothering you. Um, I feel like your hair is pretty great too. Is it green? Yeah, it's kind of dulled out. It was pretty, it was like almost like the Joker a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Nice. How are things in Seattle? It's good, you know, it's uh, <laughs> the same lockdown. Morning. Yeah, that's where this all started, didn't it? Or at least. In yeah, in the U.S., yeah. So. Yeah. Theoretically, although New York has really been the biggest freaking problem. Uh, okay, thank you, Joe. That was great, as usual. Our next poet is Morgan Boyle. You may remember her from her poem last month about hamsters. How are you, Morgan? Are you with us? Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yes? Okay, great. Great. Okay, so uh, this is a poem I wrote about uh, my old apartment. All right, so it's called uh, Boots Upstairs at Night. I am noise personified. I am noise reheated. I am 4 a.m. Doc Martens on the thin top floor. Eviction looms, and I am only fucking him in the dining room now. And the shameful papers posted to the door, detailing to the empty hall the sound of our indiscretion as heard by the ears on the head of the man downstairs. Dear people, sometimes I wonder if I make him lonely. We or I sleep here now where the table once was. Some to sleep by the fridge in the next room. It feels indecent sleeping in view of the sink. The dishes stare me down. Who carpeted the kitchen and why? Three and a half years my body has coveted and shed skin in this space. Now, for the first time, from the comfort of my mattress, I can contemplate all that blue, lapping the stove, crisping around the radiator, rolling, molding into the bathroom, surrounding the shower, soaked through on the regular, a gift for the cockroaches alone. I am confusing the cockroaches. I'm only eating at the kitchen table in the bedroom now. I am aware the man's head with his ears on rests on the pillow below me. I eat quieter. From my table, I am watching the highway. I am not this noise. How did we sleep in this room? Semis rolling past rattle windows, snatches of music, snake from cars, the singing of the woman with the shiny black teeth, circling the block again and again. This building tilts lovingly toward her, a noticeable dip forward, a nod to the street. I chase down pencils dropped in the dining room where I have sleep. 
and they roll across the living room floor, under the table, tucking themselves into the wood border on the far wall of the bedroom, where I used to lay gazing at the shaking, cobwebbed chandelier, listening to the skittering wall squirrels in spring. We'd all wake with the sun. Me in bed and them scritching through the spaces of ceiling. I dreamt I saw a tail once hanging down between the French doors. It is spring. I am still wishing them good morning. There are shameful papers posted up in their hall too. Letters pushed through the holes in the walls. Dear squirrels, do they make the man dial in my throat every time the phone rings? I am my own orgasms at peace with my body, lying in the dining room at night. I am four years of stuffed closets, clogged drains, crushed cockroaches, peeling counters, Craigslist couches with stains baked in, the smell of the hallway in the winter when the heat kicks on, specific slants of light across floors that will snag skin if you're not careful. I am a human in an apartment where the sun resides. I'm spending every morning my body draped in light. Wow, thank you, Morgan. That was great. That was also kind of an amazingly disgusting poem, uh, <laughs> which I, I mean, I say that uh, with the highest praise. Um, the best place I ever lived. Yeah, indeed. Who carpeted the kitchen and why? Why the fuck would you carpet a kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh that is one horrifying because image you don't like what's underneath it. <laughs> yeah i never knew what was underneath Maybe. it but you could tell there were holes in it whatever it was right that's true oh. there are a lot of kitchen kitchen tiling can be pretty bad <laughs> um thank you morgan that was that was epic and apocalyptic in all the best ways <laughs> our next reader one of the poets laureate of sunset park how are you todd friedman i'm okay how are you I'm good. Go for it. Okay. Solace at the cemetery, three days amidst the corona pandemic. Day one. I have come to Greenwood Cemetery seeking solace. I like to get lost here. If you walk in deep enough, the buildings disappear and you can be by yourself for a long time. The robins are back. The wobblers are back. The vibrant pink magnolia and cherry trees are back. I sit on a bench listening to a warbler singing her song. But then the sirens pierce the air, breaking my reverie, and I start heading toward the front gate. It is a raw March morning, but others are here as well. On sunny days, they come streaming in, parents with strollers. Some bring their children to play at the pond side. The kids throw sticks in the water and chase each other around. I wonder if they know why they are here. And now I come upon the graves of the Prentice brothers who fought on opposite sides in the Civil War, wounded in the same battle they embraced before it was too late. I turn and see a thin yellow streamer at the water's edge. I know it says caution, but I walk up to it to find out why. A slab of the concrete embankment has broken next to the pond. It is a small sign, but it looms large. Day two. My wife and I are here to celebrate our anniversary. We picnic on a bench and look down at the harbor. We wander among the mausoleums, peering in at the stained glass. 
then we cross the road into the class divide. Many of the tombstones a foot or two high, leaning or fallen over, the writing washed away. I think of today's rich and famous getting tested, even without symptoms, while others must wait in critical condition. But we are here to celebrate. So we walk hand in hand and sit down watching a woman singing opera for herself across the pond. A beautiful blue woodpecker lands in a nearby tree. At one point, we have a small spat, but when we come to the spot where we will be buried, we make it a point not to argue. Later, we hug and hold hands again. Day three. Today, I walk to Battle Hill, the highest point in the borough. Right here, just blocks from my house, the Battle of Brooklyn once raged. Now a new kind of battle rages as the sirens scream so loud. This is no time for bravado. This is no time for showmanship. Only science and sanity will get us through this. I stand next to Minerva as she salutes the Statue of Liberty. These two have seen so much. I shudder to think what else they will witness. Now I see more of my neighbors walking on these greenwood paths as the cemetery has thrown open all of its gates. We nod a quick hello and keep on going. New York has many distinctions, but Corona Epicenter is one we never wanted. I walk out the front gate and see that someone has painted in bold letters on a large planter across the street. Love will keep us apart. There's always a joker. We need that too. Wow, thank you, Todd. I like how you reclaim that uh, level keep us apart line and you uh, convert it to good in a way. This, these lines are amazing. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm workshopping. Uh, at one point we have a small spat, but when we come to the spot where we will be buried, we make it a point not to argue. Chills. It almost looks like blank verse. Were you trying to write blank verse? Todd was also in my blank verse workshop. I was. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> nice work, my friend. Uh, looks like you're doing well uh, with your poems, and uh, hopefully you're doing well in Sunset Park. Uh, so Joanne Mazuela could not join us. That's why I'm scrolling past her. Don't think I'm just dismissing her. So our next reader is Christy Redfield. How are you, Christy? Good. How are you? I'm good. Take it away. Thanks. Um, Sardinia. Whenever I return, the air is close. The juniper keeps its centuries-long vigil over the dunes, and the azure sea, or the bath, as the Italians call it, boys languid swimmers and little effort with in salinity. The waves sound like amity, warm as soft cheeks pressed to mine in greeting. The naragi is a visible mystery in the distance. In the mornings, our mothers compiled grocery lists, and our fathers ventured out at first light, past the Bougainvillea color splash on Yellowstone houses, driving narrow winding hills perfect for replaying childhood games of roller coaster with adult daughters, and returned with a fresh sense of the bakery, the melon, the peaches, the pecorino sardo, and the prosciutto cutto. Sardinia, I waited too long. I can see your granite boulders guarding the, perfect, the imperfect islet perimeters, 
the Mediterranean scrub that livens an otherwise arid path, the unaffected egrets. Dusty footfalls herald our approach to the lighthouse at the summit of Isla de Cavalier. This is where the Madonna Damofrago is buried, resting peacefully on the seabed just off the shore. Pink tracite protector saint of castaways. She accepts the midsummer processions, benedictions, and underwater prayers with the grace of garlands sent out to sea. In the evenings, families who are losing their mothers console themselves with feasts of suckling pig, handmade fregola, and fieres con miele. Ancora, again. Oh, Sardos, you are known for your proud resistance, your Creole that belies it, a mix of Italian, Spanish, Catalan, Latin, Arabic, and especially your longevity. I imagine a great surgeon, a great surgeon could surrender his scalpel here without guilt among your many centenarians. Sardinia, we are your war bride cousins. Please lend us your magic. Thank you. That was amazing. Talk about a word hoard. <laughs> this poem is so language rich. Uh, I have to ask, what does Naragi mean? Is that how you pronounce it? Naragi. It's a, um, there are ruins uh, throughout um, Sardinia, throughout the island, that are like, of unknown significance because they're so old. Okay. I feel like really stupid in a good way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a visible mystery in the distance. Beautiful poem. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Is this your first time reading for the Apple mic? Yeah. 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 Where are you Thanks joining us from? Me. Um, I'm, I live in Brooklyn pr oh, okay. primarily, but I'm out in Pennsylvania right now. Okay. Nice. Yeah. What part of Pennsylvania? It's um, right across from Sullivan County and Wayne County, Pennsylvania. That doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah, <laughs> it's about two and a half hours away from the city. Okay, I'll take that. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for joining us and reading your beautiful poem. Our next reader is uh, the poet formerly known as Harvey Sauce, now known as Harvey Preston Sauce. Uh, so, Harvey, how are you? Are you with us, Harvey Preston Sauce? I am. All right. I am. Let me ask you. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm marrying my. Is that the Montauk Club background? You my, well, that's the Montauk Club background. That's the room that I use if we actually had a room to use. Uh, I can look through the window and see it now. That's about it. I mean, right now I'm doing my virtual. You know, my series is a virtual reading series every second Saturday. Yes. So next one is May 23rd. I think I put it in the chat there. Uh, so if anybody wants to join and read with us, uh, just contact me at Poet Sauce and I'll send you the link. Let me ask you something, Jason, if I may. I mean, I sent you in this poem and then I wrote something afterwards <laughs> that I like better. Should I read this or can I read something else? Up to you. Uh, I would read this because we're sharing it so that uh, we have the text on the screen. Okay, I'll save the other one for another time then. Yeah, uh, there, there will be future yops. <laughs> I hope I'll still be around for them. I hope so too. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, nobody coughed in my direction, please. Um, uh, let's see. Bucephalus in this uh, is Alexander the Great's horse, for anybody who might not know. It's called Alzheimer's and the Spoken Word. Seems to be catching up with me. Formerly burning bush to our collective Moses, it hurts us, an elbow to the gut to see him like this, having to be helped off stage with plaque on the brain. 
Once he had the circus ringmaster's big top tongue of the serpent in the garden, you know the one, or a boros of serpentum, ever so charming and all devouring of our attention. His show-stopping declamations practically daring us, can you top this? And of course, we couldn't. A chorus line of elephants and tutus, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, prodded by gaudily outfitted, whip-snapping, carrying tamers through rings of flame, couldn't hope to match his act. Now, flaming out, he begs our forgiveness if he can't dredge up sufficient words of evocative incantation to alchemize from audiences exclamatory praise of the sort he'd grown used to, praise that haloed the air around him, each fresh turn of phrase utterly lacking in mimicry, apt to turn spellbound frogs squatting on their logs in expectation of canonical logia back into princes with new hope of kingdoms to come. And we forgive him, how could we not? Recalling as more and more often he does not, how even his flintiest lines struck from our flintlock imaginations fire. His voice at its best and fieriest was that of an 11th commandment heard by the enthralled over the sibilance of a sound system's hiss. Sure, he still at times takes his remembered place at the microphone with the bearing of a world conqueror, something of what he was, some shadow of himself refusing to give up, to lie down, despite it being obvious to all in attendance that something inside him is broken. Beyond the physicking abilities of any Alzheimer's specialist, or Steinway tuner of human organs to fix. It is with supreme sadness then that we are now obliged to view him fumbling and stumbling, like Caesar in that moment when knives of familiars, instead of the expected pats on the back, wordlessly fell upon him, slipped in between his vertebrae, all but silencing him, except for a forced out A2, possibly referring to me, or, and don't you deny it, to you. Or it may be that he will be best remembered as our Alexander, an all-time great. Unable to get back up to where he was, stricken off Bucephalus, using his last breath to gasp out an apology for having forgotten us. Okay, thank you, Harvey. I enjoyed that. You didn't want to read that? I like the other one is better. <laughs> well, like I can a happy land fire. I mean, you had uh, Bucephalus, you had Caesar, you had a two. I didn't say it was bad. I said the other one's better. <laughs> you had this amazing line that Jordan Franklin like lost her mind about Steinway tuner of human organs. That that is an amazing line. That's that's a crazy line. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Um, well, I look forward to the, the poem we didn't hear. It's a very crafty move by, by Harvey Sauce, I have to say. Like, he, he's going to read a good poem, but he's going to make us think about another poem that he thinks is better than the poem that he has read. Well, yeah, it's more substantial. <laughs> yeah, well played, poet. Um, I like that background. <laughs> the empty, yeah, it really is. The empty background. chairs behind you. 
It's very I mean, moving. One of these days I may actually be there and you guys can actually come join me there. <laughs> yeah. I actually thought you were there. <laughs> That's where you were spending your uh, quarantine. You were just in the Montauk Club by that yourself. It's so bad. They have a stock bar and I don't. <laughs> I thought you were waiting for all the poets to show this up. This is my last little bit of white wine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Uh, thank you, Harvey Sass. We are on to another poet I'm very partial about. Uh, not only is she a great poet, but is a former Brooklyn poet student of mine. Give it up for Lila Rutushauser. How are you, Lila? Hi, I'm good. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. All right. Um, so this poem sort of speaks for itself. I mean, it's what we're all going through. So, world breathless. I tow the path strewn with dry grass, crunching pebbles beneath my soles. Stale breath and headaches have marked these crumbling calendar days since my feet have conquered something uncarpeted, something not worn with boredom or bogged in glass-stained sun. Ahead, Water licks at twigs and sod. I imagine bird calls into being, rip the mask off of my nose. Cool air twines my ribs and soars inside my lungs. I swallow the oversaturated sky, Apache dust purple leaking behind the gray. I want to drink the air, to sleep in a hole, bungalowed with muskrats tucking dirt behind my ears. Minnows dart from bubble to bubble, sipping them up in life and streaming them out when they sink into silt. Air pockets ascending like little gifts from one fish to the next. They burst at the surface until my father leads me home. I fold into the gasoline-soaked car and clamp the mask back onto my cheeks. We got a call that night. Air flowing through plastic. Plastic tubes in nostrils, nostrils twitching, ashen face, hair that thinned in days. He glowed a newlywed on a hospital bed so he'd have some good news to share. Dry words he sounded with his lips. Voice broken. His voice was broken. I'm sick of touchless caresses, the faucets and gloves. I'm done with staticky calls and borrowed sanity. Don't remind me to crack my windows. I want to drink the air. I want to sleep in a hole. Give me peace in this breathless world. Amen. Thank you. That was beautiful. Um, also, it seems like it's in blank first for the most part, I have to say. Did you write this in blank first too? <laughs> yeah. Lila's yeah. another uh, alum of my blank first workshop, but I, it's very moving when you break it here. I mean, literally, you're, when you say voice broken. Um, so uh, I was following that uh, prosodically. Uh, I too am sick of touchless caresses. It would be nice if we could hug each other right now. Um, but uh, hopefully you have someone at home you can hug. And if not, um, you can hug me. Mentally, that sounds lame. <laughs> uh, there's no such thing as a mental hug, is there? Except, I guess, if you're like meditating or something. 
<laughs> um, okay, thank you, Lila. Uh, our next poet is Eric Acevedo. How are you, Eric? I'm well. How are you, Jason? I'm great. Take it away. Only for you. I would take care of the backbone, the woman that gave my mother life. She is a reason I treat my lady like a metaphor, gently. Her hands are tired, but her presence is the vibrant sun over in Mar de Puerto Rico. You can see her trying to hold on to her strength with all her might. You can see her close her eyes in pain every time she gets up from the burdeny recliner, gritando. My grandmother no longer cooks her and her pots and pans cry her name because they miss her scent. You can hear me weep with them as salty water passes my lips. I can see her strength deteriorating, soon needing a nurse. I want to watch over her, to hold her in my hands as she held me when I was born, to sing her to sleep and to make her laugh so that when it is time for her to encounter our creator, that she may greet him with a smile because her nurse made sure that she wasn't for to forget that she was loved. If I were a nurse, grandma would be my only patient. Thank you, that was beautiful too. What an amazing last line. Uh, if I were a nurse, grandma would only be my patient. Thank you, Eric. How are you doing these days? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm ready to get out of like this quarantine. I hate it. <laughs> I miss socialization and I don't like wearing masks. So I try not to go outside so much. And yeah. yeah, it's just, uh, it's just terrible, but I'm doing well. Yes. Well, how this, are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for asking. Uh, this is a beautiful poem. So, I mean, one thing that is good is that, uh, we're, we're writing poems. I mean, I, I'm loving seeing these poems that people are writing right now. And it's nice that we're not wearing masks on this, uh, this webinar. Uh, although if you want to wear a mask, go ahead. Let's <laughs> go for it. Uh, thank you very much, Eric. Uh, our next poet is the wonderful Hugh Tipping. How are you, Hugh? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you. Great. Yeah, this, uh, this poem comes out of Jay's most recent uh, sonnets class. Um, still working on it, but I really wanted to read it in honor of him teaching tonight. So uh, uh, here we go. Uh, ventilator. I cannot hug you now, tomorrow too, since demons breed with touch. Between the sobs, I dream of you and masks of fearful blue and cannot spend my love for your health robbed, for thoughts and prayers and hope. That's habit born of need to taste control and gain the day. I dream of you. I feel my hope get shorn chunks on my feet, not heaped six feet away. This ambushed you shadowed your fine heart and kidneys, lungs, but your depths hold sound. No policies and laws thrust us apart. I dream of you and feeding friendships bonds, but see your arms limp on the sterile sheet I pray your flesh can cook away a retreat. Thank you, Hugh. That was amazing. Got another amazing poem. Um, 
I almost don't even want to say anything to to see. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. Did it feel good to read that? Or feel better? Hell yeah. Yeah. Really did. Thank you. And uh, I just had, technically, I have to appreciate the sonnet form. Uh, Amazing poem. Amazing sonnet. Sobs, robbed. Great rhyme there. Good use of meter. I'm sure all my blank verse alums appreciate this. Uh, it's good to see Jadish. You see, Jadish Bunny is a great teacher. I mean, he's making these poets use. Yeah, he's he's amazing. He's he's really amazing. <laughs> yes. Um, but a beautiful poem. I'm going to linger over this later. Thank you, Hugh. Yeah, thank you. Um, okay. Our, I don't know where we are in the lineup. I'm just going to keep going. I feel like I'm going to have to pee at some point. So uh, maybe I'll do it th- during this longer one by Judy Schneider. She's given us a prose piece. <laughs> Doesn't mean I don't want to hear your, your poem, Judy, but I feel like I should, I should probably pee when I have a longer, uh, I'm going to stop talking about peeing. How are you, Judy? Hmm. <laughs> Isn't that a great intro for your piece? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is a prose piece. I admit, um, an excerpt from a longer thing that I'm writing called before it hit. Before coronavirus time, I used to go salsa dancing twice a week. My favorite place to dance was Solas, a bar in the East Village with a room on the side. There's been a Wednesday night dance there for years with DJ Babalu. It's a late night thing, like most salsa dances, starting at nine, but no crowd till 10. By 11, we were packed in like happy sardines. Exiting the R and H Street, I'd passed through Astor Place, which has changed so much since I came to New York 40 years ago with dreams of being a dancer. Now big, ugly buildings, including CVS and Kmart, crowd around the queue. But St. Mark's Place still has its frenetic energy, even if the restaurants are a lot more expensive. And Solas itself has an inviting, dark, divey quality. Sangria is $5. I'd get one, change my shoes, and stuff my coat onto the overstuffed rack, hoping I could dig it out later when the coats would be overflowing onto the floor. I soon made my way to the corner behind DJ's booth. It was the front of the room with a glass window and a door that looked out onto 10th Street. People on the street would stop and look in at the dancers. I liked to see them look at me. They'd whirl by as I turned or stand still, mouths open when I danced facing them in the break. Then when I turned my back, they'd disappear. The perfect audience. I was drawn to the dancers inhabiting that corner. Though, of course, I'd make a circuit of the room a few times during the night and dance with other people. But that corner had a special character, maybe because of the window or the colored lights that blinked on and off, or because the window in the DJ booth created a narrowed access, a peninsula jutting out of the larger space. The speakers were very loud over there, but like many salsa dancers, I put plugs in my ears. In that corner, I watched as well as danced. So much flow, style, and rhythm filled that pocket. I could taste it along with my sweet drink. I was just good enough to dance with those guys. If they didn't ask me, I had no hesitation asking them. I danced with all of them before. I wouldn't be their best dance of the night, but I would be good enough, following almost everything they threw at me. I didn't have the style, musicality, or beauty of the women in that corner but I could hold my own. Then of course, there were several wonderful dancers who did ask me to dance, often more than once. I liked both, the ones who really liked dancing with me and the ones who weren't so sure they did. 
the challenging ones made me pleasantly nervous. I had to focus on their chests and not look up in their faces in case I read dissatisfaction and lost concentration. But a great dancer makes you better, and adrenaline is something you learn to control. It was my kind of thrill. Other people might windsurf or ski the double blacks. I learned to ride those waves of nervous energy and turn them into flow. So I floated on those lights, those looks, those hands and hips cueing me to spin and stop and shift and drop. Fast and unexpected was okay as long as they were relaxed. And the good dancers are always relaxed. The cues I could not anticipate pulled me into hyper-focus, like the skier going so fast he'd crack his skull if he missed the timing of a turn. It was my high, a perfect storm of men, movement, and concentration that doesn't involve words. Sounds like sex, but I think it's better than sex. You don't have to depend on anybody when you depend on everybody. Solas was the last place I danced before the virus. When I knew I couldn't go there again, that's when it hit. Okay, thank you. That was amazing. Man, you don't have to depend on anybody when you depend on everybody. Um, I was in the bathroom with the first part, but uh, <laughs> the part that I caught was an incredible. And I'm sorry I wasn't here to scroll down, but... Uh, I have to say, Judy, as someone who uh, dances salsa, or I should say used to dance salsa, I both miss it and don't miss it because you capture all the stuff I don't miss, uh, you know, like uh, feeling like you're you're just like just good enough <laughs> you have to be content with that because you know there are people better than you uh, that uh, the better dancers would, would rather dance with. Uh, you capture that really well. Um, yeah, and it is probably better than sex. I have to. I have to say, <laughs> sex is bad. Sex is great, but uh, but that perfect storm of uh, men, movement, and concentration that doesn't involve words. Uh, it really, if you haven't if you haven't danced also in New York City, I recommend you try uh, whenever we are able to dance again. For fuck's sake! Yeah, right. <laughs> so you're missing it, Judy. I bet. I'm missing it. I yeah. a lot. <laughs> you look like you're like you're sitting in a dark cave. This is like a good image of your non-dancing self. My light bulb burst out, and I can't change it myself, so I have to wait until we get the coronavirus. <laughs> Do you need someone to stop by and change the bulb for you? I need someone to a heavy fixture, and I can't, I can't undo it myself. So yeah, it's gonna okay. be. <laughs> yeah, be, be careful with that. Don't don't break something uh okay yeah well email me let me <laughs> give me an update on the lamp situation um okay our next poet is gabriel v cummings how are you gabriel hey i'm doing good how you oh, you're in motion amazing oh yeah yeah i'm uh i'm on my phone because uh i have a, like a 10 year old laptop that takes like forever to boot up and then my desktop doesn't have video so nice. i'm kind of Nice. I'm, I'm every. I'm, I could do this from anywhere in the apartment, you know. So it's pretty convenient. It looks cool. This is a POV. You're a POV poet right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go for it. I'm gonna turn off my mic. Cool. Thanks. Isolated from the idyllic landscapes depicted by the Hudson River School, lies an urban farm conveniently placed along Fifth Avenue's commercial route quietly altering the course of an empire consumed by commercial cultivars of corporate Americana. 
crisp wireframes advertise produce produced by Cubanel co-conspirators who uni unilaterally dump distillery waste into digital stream headwaters without regard for the satiation of saplings that have already taken root, displacing their fermented fruit in neatly packed bushels of chaos. The spectacle is moderated by a Ways and Means Kangaroo Committee, live feed optimized for retina display, responsible for allocating superfluous harvests to farmers and vegans alike who consume the labor of the season by the barrel, like Saturn devouring the sour ciders of forgotten suns. Watch the perennial growth and impropriety from the sterile safety of double-walled varicose verandas. The masses cordially clap and scream in compact morsels of data code, thumbs and hands that cannot feel tender, warm embraced or recognize passion delivered as a subtle smile and only sees in a figurative sense. Outside observers raise their hands and react with muted applause when served at the genius bar. Life inside a cute greenhouse bears resemblance to their fabled upstate suburban cousins, just more vertical than horizontal. Side little trees stand in place of apple orchards as depicted on the silver screen and scream in silence as the simulcast debut of Forbidden Fruit is delayed by the void of sound waves crashing against the cliffs of Claude Monet, causing CSA shareholders to riot when torrential live streams cease to release viral content and inundate the Crystal Palace in a haze of aqueous transmissions. Watch condensation mock collective crude intentions at content creation how it laughs when the data source breaks in a requiem for Silent Spring. Wow, thank you, Gabriel. That was great. Uh, I, I wrote in the chat, the sour ciders of forgotten sons. An amazing line. Appreciate <laughs> Almost, uh, I'm a contaminator, I have to say. Uh, a word-rich poem. Uh, how are you doing, Gabriel? I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, I've been, I've been good. I, uh, you know, with like work and stuff, I feel like this uh, virtual thing has been nice to uh, be able to still check in and, and hang out with everybody again from, you know, from Jersey. I haven't been in the city in like, like two months almost, you know, so right. it's, uh, yeah, just working from home and, uh, you know, trying to keep the music and the writing going. So Nice, nice. Well, I live in Brooklyn. I feel like I haven't been in the city in two months either. So <laughs> you're not yeah. missing anything. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Well, I don't know what'll be there when I'm. You know, when I when I finally get back to Port Authority. So yeah, I live in the city. It's pretty empty. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks, Gabriel. It's great to see you again. Great to hear your poems again. Oh, thanks. Uh, all right. Our next poet, Robin Romeo, former Brooklyn Poets Fellow. How are you, Robin? I'm doing great, Jason. Glad to be here. All right, take it away. The stylist. Such an odd thing for a little boy to want, comb his mother's hair. When I ask, I catch a split second smile before it's retracted to the underside of her cloak of expressions. She presents mild anticipation, part of her day torn away. I'm winging my gesture, knowing 
only what I want, no what then. My mother, star of my drama for two, barely smiling mannequin for me, until the pain becomes too much. Comb so entangled, it costs precious hair to extricate it. All that, best a little boy can offer, something he knows mom enjoys, having her hair done. The only means he has of saying, I want to do something nice for you. God damn, man, that's amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm laughing because it's so great. I want to quote every one of these lines. Uh, th I have to, I'm sorry, I have to highlight this. <laughs> it's restricted to the underside of her cloak of expressions. I have to appreciate that with a, a little blue highlight. Uh, beautiful poem, Robin. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Uh, have you shown this to your mother? My mother has been deceased for quite some time. Actually. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, I'm sure she would appreciate this poem. I think she would. <laughs> or she <laughs> might She might recall in horror. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful poem, a very touching poem. Um, Thank you. I feel like my, my mother wishes that I would write a poem like this for her. <laughs> it makes me laugh and also kind of makes me cry. Uh, she's always wow. like, why don't, why don't you write a nice poem about me, Jason? Um, <laughs> uh, it's occurring to me that I feel like uh, one of the ambitions of every poet is to write a great poem about their mother. So um, one day for me, but Robin, you've definitely done it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, for that beautiful poem. Our next poet is Preeti Shah. How are you, Preeti? Hi, Jason. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Thanks you for asking. So my poem is from up here. From up here, you cannot see the desert of dry tongues cracking between the burnt ankles of Mumbai high-rises. From up here, a million bent backs begging form the rusty leg of a corrugated tin roof. From up here, you mistake the blood spilled in every gully, home, and hospital for pond spit. From up here, the red-brown earth looks like the decomposing muscle of a nation, the dismembered limb of a multi-armed god. Damn. I'm just, <laughs> I feel like I have to type into the chat uh, like how I'm going to vocalize that damn. Um, amazing ending. Thank you. Did you feel like you were a changed person when you wrote that last stanza? Because I feel like I would have been. Uh, the red brown earth looks like the decomposing muscle of a nation. How dare you write those lines? Those are fucking amazing lines. Uh, seems like you've been doing a lot with repetition lately. I remember your poem last month. Used, uh, didn't you read a guzzle last month? Yeah, just trying to take in as much as I can from the workshop. So thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful poem. Also, write, shout out. Did you to write this Jay. in one of our workshops? Oh, sorry. Um, go ahead. Sorry, I was also going to say shout out to Jay. That was also one of my teachers. Oh, yeah? Did you write this in his workshop? No. <laughs> I love it. Shout out to Jay, but I didn't write this amazing poem in your class. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you appreciate that. Um, yes, Jay does not co-author all the good poems during this open mic. 
Um, <laughs> our next poet is a poet well known to many of you. How are you, Arthur? I have to unmute. I'm fine. How are you doing, Jason? <laughs> a poet living in Nutley, New Jersey. Great bio. Yeah. It's all I could come up with. <laughs> hey, Jay, thanks very much for that workshop. It was great. Thank you for being here, Arthur. This is so much fun. It's great to see all of you. <laughs> in the spaghetti garden, it had big hands. It ate children. Its stomach noises made your stomach make noises. It smelled like wet canvas. Unlike its victims, he had to stay with it, follow it home from the docks, watch it take off its shoes, play the harmonica, go to sleep without brushing its teeth. He wanted to plunge Excalibur into its side. That is how your father felt about working for his father. One night, you dreamed you were hiding under the summer bungalow, watching Frankenstein and Dracula run in circles around the cottage, looking for you. Through the lattice around the crawl space, you could see their shadows running by. You went to pick blueberries with your aunt in the morning, so it must have been August. What if the blade wouldn't penetrate its scales? What if you couldn't kill it? There's another dream where you're being pursued, but you float down the stairwell. It's incredible. Nothing could touch you. You were like a Macy's balloon over the heads of the other kids. Then you worked for your father. You followed him home from the docks, watched him take off his shoes, scrub his hands with a finger brush, even the stubby black hairs on the backs of his hands. The television played the news during dinner. There was no place to hide from his questions. He had a steak knife he liked. It had a bone handle. He pointed the blade at Walter Cronkite. He used, to slice, he used it to slice butter for his bread. He liked to spread butter in unmelted chunks on green beans. The knife never left his hand for the whole dinner. His questions were vices. You just wanted to be a kid, to say, I don't know. You wanted Coca-Cola. The only way out was into the spaghetti garden where he played the harmonica at night. But in the spaghetti garden, below the surface, your legs grew scales. You lifted your leg and your stomach heaved with knowing he would want you to betray him like this. Good stuff, Arthur. I feel like you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I never know what you're going to say. <laughs> your father is your muse, man. Every time you write about your father, you just tap into like another poetry vein. <laughs> I feel like I know your father well after having read and heard a lot of these poems about him. Uh, maybe a little too well. He pointed his blade at Walter Cronkite. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he By liked the way, it. I should say a uh, shout out to Greg Crosby. This was written in his uncanny poem workshop. All right. Yeah, it is a little uncanny. Yeah, that was a workshop that Gregory Crosby just taught. Uh, you can check out Gregory Crosby's upcoming summer workshop called Ars Apocalyptica. I'm sure you can figure out what that's about, writing poems about the end of the world, which seems sort of topical. For my uh, birthday, I asked Gregory to give me a prompt, and <laughs> he asked me to write a poem about the end of the world without mentioning the end of the world. Yeah, it's a great prompt. I'm sure uh, you'll probably be doing that in that workshop if you sign up. Well, for I, it. I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe not. I'm trying to do it for a maybe month. That's only for you, Arthur. Thank you. Love these lines here. He liked to spread butter in unmelted chunks on green beans. <laughs> that's so creepy, and it definitely is uncanny. Uh, I feel like I'm going to dream of unmelted chunks tonight. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Arthur. <laughs> Um, okay, our next poet is the wonderful Jordan E. Franklin. How are you doing, Jordan? Hi, I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm good. Not only is Jordan a great poet, but she's probably the best poet cheerleader in our chat. So thank you for all of your uh, cheerleading in the chat. I'm sure the poets appreciate it. Uh, thanks for all the wonderful poems, everyone. Pops, a music man, princely disciple, Radio patriarch with heavy hands and lips to sing Rick James or Jeffrey Osborne. Music surrounds him. Even those times he'd make you tremble like tunes in a piano's mouth. His living room a mess of straight spines, silence, and the only move are your eyes rubber hosing in your head. The orange lights hung a warm motif overhead as Pop weighs belts in the back room, leather jitterbugging in his palms. You can only be threatened in song. 2017 now, and Pop's limbs have atrophied atonal, their morphine metronome, tetraplegic time signature, bed sore beats. Pop's in a hospital courting diabetic bebop, your strange history caught in the hum of a chair's motor, his hands no longer a scale for leather. Even weakened, Pop still got a cruel solo. Don't dance. Wow, thank you. I think you can see in the chat. What the hell, Jordan? <laughs> Anna wrote. <laughs> this is an amazing poem. Some amazing phrases in here. Great alliteration. Uh, this is like a good lesson in alliteration tetraplegic time signature morphine metronome seriously what the hell jordan explain yourself <laughs> uh again i love seeing these poems on the page because if you read this out loud i would have just no idea it was written in this form but i love this form it's, so it's really cool to see it in text form too uh don't explain yourself jordan no matter what it does <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah you don't have to listen to me at all um, I hope you're dancing with yourself, Jordan. Are you finding time to dance with yourself at all during this quarantine? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I feel like I'm not dancing enough. I'm doing a lot of typing and clicking. Way too much of that. Um, all right. Uh, we are getting close to the end of the main list, and then hopefully we'll have time for the uh, wait list. Uh, our next poet is uh, one of our reigning co-winners of Yacht Poem of the Year and uh, is also teaching a Brooklyn Poets workshop for the first time. You see it in his uh, in their bio here, A Course of Cells Taking Persona Personally. 
Constantine, you could say a little bit about that if you want. Uh, you don't have to, but uh, go. Yeah, my hi everyone. I have like the little grid on the side so I can see everybody's faces while the poems are happening, and it's just making me really happy. Um, <laughs> my poem is like two seconds long, so I guess I'll just say really quickly. It's good to see everyone, and um, if you have nothing to do with your Saturdays in June. Um, I'm really interested in this idea of like viewing time and like your own sort of personal time as like less linear and more sort of spherical. Like, uh, you know, this is who I was back then and this is where I was over here and this is, you know, and so like, I guess like making work where um, all the different versions of you past, present and maybe not yet future kind of get to speak at the same time. Um, so that's what's going on in my head. Um, if you want to, if you want to join me for that, I would love for you to be there. Uh, the only thing you need to know about this poem is that, um, it came out of the same sort of line of thinking that the workshop was structured around. And also memory of light waves is the name of the main theme on piano for final fantasy 10 2, which if anybody is curious, Mike already knows. <laughs> Here is the YouTube video in the chat. Um, it's a beautiful track, whether or not you know the game. So, Memory of light waves. In the basement, with the white windows, and my yaya's old things, the tapestry of Salome, the cuckoo clock, the bust of an ancient hero, starting up the old console again. Light takes a while to make it there. Even as a kid, still it only ever hit the spot I was standing two years ago. Thanks, y'all. All right. Thank you. That was beautiful. Uh, I just feel like I have to have to share your... <laughs> I mean, why else do we have a screen share if I can't share your... Uh, it's such a beautiful, like, yeah, it's gorgeous. It's a very uh, Whitmanian workshop, Chorus of Selves. Uh, oh, cool. I'm very partial to that title. Uh, you can look for it at brokenpost.org. It's the first one on the level two page. We got that great image there. Uh, and uh, it's got a great subtitle as well. It's not just a good title, but a great subtitle. Taking Persona Personally. I certainly take Persona Personally. Um, if I weren't doing a bunch of other stuff, I would probably take this workshop myself. So... You have no excuse not to take this. Saturdays, 2 to 5 p.m., June 6th, July 11th, July 4th off. So I'm sure we'll all be virtually you know, and, bar barbecuing. And please, please, please apply for the fellowships. If yes. You need, if you need them, they're there. So, like, please take, make use of them. They are. Thank you for uh, plugging that again. You see, you click on that. You get taken to our fellowships page. Again, the application for fellowships due May 24th. Please take advantage of that. Uh, just click this link. You'll get taken to our submittable page. And uh, you're seeing it now. You can do it yourselves. Uh, and you will uh, be able to apply. Okay. Thank you, Constantine. Wonderful as usual. Our next poet, uh, reigning Yawper of the Year for 2019, Julia Knobloch. How are you, Julia? I'm fine here in Sunset Park, across the street from Tom. <laughs> yes. You guys should get together uh, for one of these we virtual yawps. Yeah, with Laura Eve and her huge dog, <laughs> who is a little bit terrifying. All right, yeah. go for it. All right. It's another California dreaming poem. Um, poem for a new city. 
the palm trees are not native, the Uber driver says. To me, they look like they have always been here. Persimmons and pomelos hang heavy over hedges, promising gardens behind green screens. The land where the citrons blossom, maybe it is here. Light and shadow and scrub tiles. Cypresses remind me that balance can be found, even on shaky grounds of tar and oil. Waves embrace me, hills invite me to ascend, almost haphazardly. When I first came here, I came because of death. I could not unsee magnolias beyond black mirrors, skies behind billowing curtains. I dreamed of violet and pink flowers, caressing my cheeks and copper hair, of plantain trees that whisper, touch me, of one day returning for the sake of life. Okay, great. Another great Julian Oblock poem about New York City. It is about New York City, yes. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not so sure it's about New York City. Uh, I have to highlight another, this line, man, y'all tonight, when I first came here, I came because of death. That'd be a great, like, first line of, like, a post-apocalyptic series on Netflix or something. <laughs> when I first came Yeah, those, those types of shows and movies are usually so poorly written, but this would be a great uh, voice. I think this is poorly written. Yeah, I can imagine uh, Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead saying that. When I first came here, I came because of death. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you, Julia. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, okay, we are on to our wait list. We have a t I think we have time for about three poets. Kayla Schwab is our next poet, who usually ends the wait list because she just has that magic touch. Tonight, she is starting the wait list. Uh, how are you, Kayla? I'm doing well. Happy to see everybody. Always something to look forward to. So um, I've been feeling pretty homesick and I'm from New Jersey. So it's kind of this weird torture of being so close to my family, but like I can't go see them. So obviously it's also hard to be far away from family. So it's just, it's all hard. Everyone's going through it, but um, I'm going to read one of my New Jersey sonnets. Um, I read this at Mike's Flight Recorder, so some of you have heard this before, but I figured everyone could use a good laugh, and this is one of my funny ones. So it's called, We Weren't Born to Follow. In 2015, Chris Christie chose to use a John Bon Jovi song for his campaign for fear that longtime blue-collar idol, Bruce, would disavow the governor with disdain. This reignited a long-time debate that no one but New Jerseyans had cared about since 1984. Two great musicians duking it out for best-haired, most dangerously handsome heartthrob, and, apparently, Chris Christie's loyalty. What once was an obsession with the boss, recorded in email listservs and concert funds, was soon replaced by preference for Bon Jovi, whose apolitical friendship sued the loss. Fuck yes, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, I don't think I've certainly never seen a sonnet with Bon Jovi in it. Uh, maybe there is one out there, and I definitely have not seen a sonnet with Bon Jovi and Chris Christie in it. Uh, this is amazing. Uh, the use, oh, sorry, the use Bruce rhyme is great. I just have to notice. I have to appreciate all these details. Loyalty rhyming with. I believe Bon Jovi. <laughs> yeah. 
This makes me want to just screen share like a YouTube video of like living on a prayer right now, but I, I won't do that to all of you. Uh, um, I wish it'll be the after show. <laughs> so, so you said New Jersey sonnets. Do you, so that implies that you have many New Jersey sonnets. Is that true? Yeah. I pick them up from time to time, but it's mostly when I feel homesick and I just write about something random that I associate with home and this whole debate I learned about like when I was in college so I wasn't even living in New Jersey anymore and I was like oh yeah like there's always this like Bon Jovi versus Bruce Springsteen quarrel but there was a whole thing with like Chris Christie's political campaign and like which songs he's using it just caused this whole big riff um just pretty hilarious so I had to write about it Nice. Well, if you ever, pub I'm sure you will publish this book of sonnets at some point, New Jersey sonnets. You have to dedicate it to Bon Jovi and Chris Christie. Of course, <laughs> of course. Oh, good stuff. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. Um, all right. Our next poet, co-winner of Yacht Poem of the Year from 2019, Kyle Seamus Brosnahan. I think I saw an image of you wearing your mask earlier. Did you put that on when I said that... Uh, no one was wearing their mask. Yeah, I did. I wore it for, <laughs> for a minute. Oh, you took it off now. <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Nice to see everyone. Uh, I'm Bandito. I'm going to read this poem. Uh, it's called, You Know It's a Good Day. You know it's a good day when you step outside your door and you feel very, very good. The sun feels good. Your body feels good. The sea of air feels like a thoughtful gift. Now, to the best of your ability, try not to think anything about anything. The little thing you were kind of contemplating, stop it. Any work you have left to do, forget about, unless it was work that made you feel good. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be that once-in-a-lifetime. It doesn't matter if we're old or sad or dying. We can still feel good. And we should. We really, really should. All oh, right. Thank you. I should say Bandito. Yeah, uh, thank you. <laughs> beautiful poem. I've been doing a lot of meditating lately. Um, I'm, I'm almost ashamed to say I've been meditating using Inside Timer for 23 straight days. But I'm also not ashamed to say that because I'm really excited about that. <laughs> but uh, some of these lines remind me, they're like little meditation lines, almost like a little thing you were contemplating. Stop it. I love this moment. Uh, I would meditate to that shit. <laughs> <laughs> the little thing you were kind of contemplating. Stop it. Uh, and this, these lines are definitely things I have to do. Any work you have left to do, forget about it. I feel like I do the opposite. Any work I have left to do. It's like when I finish my work, I'm always thinking like, what work did I forget about that I can still do now that I'm done with all the other work that I've done? Um, definitely have a work problem. Thank you, Kyle. Uh, Bandito. So you really just go by Bandito. You should, so you should just use that name instead of Kyle Seamus Brosnan. Uh, Bandito's for friends. <laughs> oh, are you saying that I'm not a friend? Is that no, a you're totally a friend. I feel like uh, I felt a little bit of shade there. <laughs> no, no, that was like a, a semi-official biography. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, uh, Bandito. Our next poet, former Yopper of the Year, Bill Livingston. How are you doing, Bill? Hanging in there. <laughs> are you in a closet right now? I'm on my daybed. 
<laughs> I, I thought your 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 daughters had banished you to the closet to do your poetry thing. This is where I sleep when my wife and I are fighting. <laughs> All right, good times. All right, go for it. The quarantine. As we isolate smart enough to recall the writings of Henry David Thoreau, as our libraries lay dormant and our hospitals overflow with death, as we run out of excuses why relate for Zoom meetings and elastic waistbands, as our own Chernobyl fills with humanity baking the perfect sourdough, as our mothers and fathers search for new venues to make love and do battle, as the sparrows fight for a crumb amongst thriving daffodils, as squirrels fluff their luxurious tails before they raid empty bird feeders, as we make new attempts to play Stairway to Heaven on dust-covered guitars, as we lower our voices for neighbors and scream into wine-stained pillows, as we separate the newly minted alcoholic from the future Pilates instructor, as our faces miss our own touch, scratching our noses with retracted pens, as we find out why Trump was elected during the first five minutes of Tiger King, as our masks hide our smiles or gnashing of teeth or mouthing I love you to the deaf, as the potter's fields we're just learning about swell with the unclaimed dead, as we blankly accept what we've got coming and shrug at the past, as we search for the spark that ignites the torpor of these groundhog days, as we orbit like moons around an atmosphere of terrifying uncertainty, as we fear the bartender will forget our usual upon re-entry, as we embrace all of the lovely non-essentials that make us human. Okay, thank you. Another great quarantine poem. All the lovely non-essentials that make us human. Uh, what are you drinking tonight, Bill? Are you drinking anything? I'm done with my wine. I need a refill. <laughs> uh, I also am worried that the bartenders that I like will Bill, fill. come over to my house I have for you. <laughs> I like your kitchen. <laughs> I'll give you the virtual tour later. Right on. Bill, have you taken advantage of these bars that are offering cocktails to go these days? I'm... I'm pretty proficient in my own mixology world. Yeah. Well but, answered. But we that do. was a trick question. I knew you were yeah. going to say that. <laughs> but we do, uh, we do uh, get the food and uh, uh, support local uh, establishments where we can. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, got to. All right. Thanks, Bill. Thank you. Uh, say hi to the family when they let you out of there. <laughs> Um, okay, we have time for one more reader off our wait list. I know that some of you on the wait list are probably uh, lamenting right now, but uh, it is 940 and I'm getting texts from my wife who is trapped in my bedroom right now. I should say our bedroom <laughs> right uh -huh. now. She's, she's trapped in there with our two cats because uh, this new mic I have is very uh, sensitive and it picks up pretty much any sound within you know, 20 feet of me. Um, so we got to wrap this up, but our last poet tonight is the one and only Bonnie Belay. Are you with us, Bonnie? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes. All right. Okay. I you figured out how month? to use it. I was there yes. the whole time last time, but I figured out <laughs> how to use it afterward. All right. Okay. Nice. All right. The Corona, the Coronavirus Diaries, April 2020. Locked down, pinned into place like moths on specimen boards. 
stuffed into drawers with my Brooklyn neighbors, a plethora of insects found in the city, signaling each other like lightning bugs, not close enough for conversation, touch. I get a wicked sore throat, swollen glands, a small cough, an inflamed digestive tract. It could be one thing, it could be another. I take medicine the doctor gave me in case. It, in theory, it slows the virus down, gives, you, gives your immune system a chance. Without a test, I can't know. It doesn't feel deadly. Disease progression unpredictable. When my chest aches, I'm terrified. Mid-spring launches itself, beauty unseen, tree flowers white, brilliant pink, daffodils shock yellow. Do I accept death or ignore the possibility? I talk to the doctor, isolated in his hotel. He says I'm over it. I can go to the supermarket without infecting anyone. My husband can come back to bed. So many have been sick, life smaller than yesterday. Disease raining, flooding already wet soil. Who gets through this? What survives? Thank you, Bonnie. Bonnie. Let me see my, my homemade mask. <laughs> How are you feeling? <laughs> That's a great mask. <laughs> Still makes them. He's going to print a hundred and give them out. <laughs> yeah, I would take one of those. Tell him to mail one to me. Okay, I will. I will. The post office. So you're feeling well? I'm, I'm over it. I'm 73 and I have a lot of underlying conditions and it just, I didn't get it bad. Yeah. I was horrible and it was nothing like the flu, but I'm fine. Yeah. Well, it's because you're awesome. That's why you kicked its <laughs> fucking ass. That's what I'm saying. It's not that you didn't get it bad. It's just you're fucking awesome and you kicked that fucking disease's ass. Do it. You got Thank you. Most people survive. You can't like, I thought it would be a death sentence, but it wasn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know I speak for all this when I'm, I'm thankful that it was not. Uh, but it did render this amazing line that I'm going to highlight. Do I accept death or ignore the possibility? Uh, that line is so good, I can almost imagine Russell Crowe saying it in Gladiator. <laughs> do I accept death or ignore the possibility? What we do in this life echoes in eternity. Okay, I'm going to stop trying to imitate Russell Crowe. Uh, thank you, Bonnie. That was amazing. Uh, thank you to all our readers. So what I'm going to do now, because we are at the end of the open mic reading, I'm going to scroll back through the poems and read all of the readers' names again. Again, the number to vote for Poem of the Month, I'm going to type it into the chat, is 718-374-1953. You can just tell me the poet's name. Uh, just vote once, please. That last poet we just heard from was Bonnie Belay. Before that, we had Bill Livingston uh, in his closet somewhere. Before that, we had Kyle Seamus Brosnahan, a.k.a. Bandito. I will uh, register votes for either of those names. Before that was Kayla Schwab. Before that, Julian Knobloch from Sunset Park, our Yopper of the Year. Before that, Constantine Jones. Uh, before that, we had the one and only Jordan E. Franklin. Before, the, hopefully, you're, hopefully you're not getting dizzy with all the scrolling backwards. I'm getting a little bit dizzy. Before that was Arthur Russell in his kitchen in Nutley, New Jersey. Before Arthur was Preeti Shah. Before Preeti was Robin Romeo. This beautiful poem about his mother. Before Robin was Gabriel V. Cummings with the POV cam. 
Before Gabriel was Judy Schneier with this amazing prose piece about dancing salsa. Before Judy was Hugh Tipping with another beautiful poem uh, about the pandemic called Ventilator, a sonnet. Before Hugh was Eric Acevedo, Only for You. Before Eric, Lila Rutishauser, my former student, Brooklyn Poets Blank Verse alum. Before Lila Rutishauser was the one and only Harvey Preston Sauce, who uh, hosts his open mic at the famous historic Montauk Club, which is his virtual background. Before Harvey Sauce was Christy Redfield, this beautiful poem with this incredible word, Nuragi, which I'm sure I'm not pronouncing as beautifully as she did. Before Christy was not Joanne Mazuelas, and she was not here tonight, that was Todd Friedman with his amazing three-part poem, Solace at the Cemetery, another Blank Verse alum. Uh, we had a lot of former Blank Verse students tonight, which is great it was not by design <laughs> uh before todd was morgan boyle with this incredibly fantastic disgusting poem with the carpeted kitchen before morgan boyle was joe nasta all the way from seattle with this incredible poem saudade if you are uh brazilian or speak portuguese you know what that means before that kindle thomas i was gonna say my favorite poet tonight but <laughs> I don't want to influence you. Kendall Thomas, another blank verse alum, Brooklyn Poets staff member, great poet. Before Kendall Thomas, Dan Varley with Looper, a poem not about the movie Looper, but about golf. <laughs> Before Dan Varley was Rita A. Simmons. So that takes us all the way back through our open mic. I think that was 23 or 24 readers. Again, to vote for Poem of the Month, I'm going to type the number one more time, 718 three seven four one nine five three a couple announcements before we go remember to send me your selfies and screenshots uh if you post them on instagram hashtag broken poets or tag us at broken poets uh, it's pretty easy to find our account but definitely send me those uh photos coo at brooklynpoets.org i will type it into the chat you will get a reminder tomorrow uh we would love to share those in the events gallery if you want to donate more to uh, 61 Locals GoFundMe, you can do so. You can see from their GoFundMe, they are still well short of their goals. So it would be great if you would uh, donate some more to them. If you can, I think this is it. You can still my, see my screen, yes. Uh, you see that they have raised $5,800 of a $25,000 goal, and we have donated uh, over 1000 ourselves. So uh, definitely help them out if you can. Uh, my, one of my biggest fears about coming out of this pandemic is 61 local closes, and we cannot do the YAWP again in person, which would be terrible for all of us, so, and of course for them as well. So definitely help them out. This uh, GoFundMe is specifically for their staff. They're using it to send money to their staff, who is obviously not working at this time. If you want to donate extra money to the New York Times Neediest Cases Fund, I would just Google uh, New York Times Neediest Cases Fund, as I am doing right now, and you will find it. Uh, some of you probably know about this already, but uh, you can donate extra money to that. Uh, that doesn't seem great, but uh, there it is right there. I uh, see that donate button. Uh, I hope you are all taking precautions and keeping yourselves safe. 
we will be back. Uh, I'm going to share my calendar uh, for our next YAWP on Monday, June 8th. It's always the second Monday of the month. You can see all of this stuff in my calendar. My calendar is significantly lighter than it was the last couple of weeks, which is nice. Uh, remember the Brooklyn Poets Workshop showcased right here, Monday, May 18th. That's next uh, Monday at 7 p.m. Our students and faculty from our Winter Spring Workshops will be reading. Jay Deshpande will be here again. Uh, hopefully you're not sick of him. I am certainly not sick of him. I will be here, of course, uh, Thursday, May 28th, the Brooklyn Poets Reading Series. Uh, co-presented by Brooklyn Public Library featuring Jose Oliveras, Aria Aubert, and Rick Barrett. That's going to be an amazing reading. And our next YAWP, which you can sign up for right now, uh, again, will be a $5 donation fee. Uh, Emily Hunt will be teaching that YAWP workshop. She's teaching a summer workshop for us called Influence in Both Directions. It's the second time she's taught that. It's a really great workshop. I encourage you to check that out at brooklynpoets.org. Uh, if you want to read for the open mic, I suggest you sign up now because the open mic lineup, the advanced list fills up usually within a night these days. There's a lot of regulars and they're very crafty. They know they have all the moves. They know how quickly they need to sign up. Uh, you need to register and pay to be on that open mic list. So don't register and then just like wait to pay like three weeks later because then you're not going to be an open mic list. Um, Can I just really quick? I just wanted to shout yeah, out. I'm sorry. I just really quickly want to shout out Jay for staying this long and listening. Like, this is so dope. I don't know. Maybe you just didn't know that you could leave, but like, how cool. It's like oftentimes, like, people will teach and they stick around as long as they can, but they kind of dip out. And you just stayed to listen to everybody talk. And I just think that says so much about you. Not only are you talented as hell, but you're an amazing person. You just like really support the community. So I just wanted to shout out Jay for staying and listening to everybody. Like, how cool is that? You rock. Thank you for doing it's such great work and it's so nice to hear all of you doing this and i have the benefit of being three hours behind you so <laughs> it's early for me i don't work for you after this but thank I you everyone. about that it's been really uh, an incredible experience to get to hear you all tonight yes i would just like to say fuck yes to that thank you joe for saying that uh we do appreciate you staying uh i forgot that you were three hours behind us uh-huh. <laughs> I also have to point out, because I promised to do this earlier, that if you look at Jadish Bunny's screen, he has the Brooklyn Poets Anthology over his right ear. It's on your left. <laughs> and then a lesser known volume to his <laughs> left is the Norton Anthology of Theory and Criticism, <laughs> which uh, was disturbing to me that I recognized uh, uh, from my grad school days. So uh, those of you that have read too much theory in grad school, you probably recognize that volume as well. Um, go to brokenpoets.org, definitely check out our workshops. Again, May 24th, fellowship deadline. May 24th, early registration deadline. Uh, I feel like there is something I am forgetting to mention about the YAWP webinar. And I'm on our website now to try to remember, but I'm not sure I'm going to remember. Oh, yes, I now remember what we were going to do. So we've been donating uh, all these. Uh, so when we started the YAWP virtually on April, we were donating... In April, we donated most of that to 61 Local. And then this month, we split it up between 61 Local and the New York Times Neediest Cases Fund. In June, we're going to be splitting up between 61 Local and this um, nonprofit you see here, One Community, a nonprofit uh, that is focused specifically in the Clinton Hill, Fort Greene neighborhoods of Brooklyn. 
It is run by Jed Marcus, who is the husband of Jessica Greenbaum, who many of you may know is a fantastic Brooklyn poet and a Brooklyn Poets teacher. They're doing amazing work right now. They are delivering groceries, supplies, protective gear to many low-income uh, residents in the Fort Greene, Clinton Hill area, most of them people of color. Another thing they are doing uh, with Brooklyn Poets' help is they are distributing poems to uh, a lot of these people with their groceries. So. Uh, we are collecting donations from them, or for them, sorry, from them, for them, for the June 8th YOP. So your $5 is going to go far in June if you choose to sign up for that. Um, so I just wanted to plug that really quickly. Uh, other than that, again, thank you to Jay Despande. Uh, I love you uh, for teaching an amazing workshop and uh, being with us this whole time. Thank you to my staff. Uh, I love you as well. I, we could not do this without you. Um, thanks to all of you for joining us. I'm going to stop the share, so hopefully I can see some of your faces before we go. It's it's amazing just to see faces and to hear voices. Uh, I'm sure you've all just been dealing with the, the sameness of the last two months. Um, I think I spent today like clicking and typing for seven or eight hours straight and I am not exaggerating. <laughs> and, uh, and I thought I was done with all my work because I turned in my grades yesterday, but apparently I was not done because uh, we had a lot of stuff going on today. Uh, I'm hoping to relax a little bit after this, but uh, it's, it's amazing to see voices, to hear poems, and to, especially to see those poem texts on the page. As I said earlier, uh, it's clear that you're you're writing amazing poems right now. So uh, one of the things that that gives me hope is that the poets of America are writing amazing poems about this experience. Uh, you are telling the truth. Uh, there's no uh, you know like one world bullshit. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I think you know. Uh, there's no celebrity bullshit uh, in these poems that I'm hearing tonight. So. Keep telling the truth. Uh, hopefully we will be together again in person at some point. Uh, it's probably not gonna be in June, but who knows, maybe it will be in July. If not, we will do this again virtually. Uh, send in your votes for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. Again, send me your, your photos, selfies, and screenshots if you have those. Coup at brokenpoets.org. And uh, hopefully we will see you on June 8th. Good night. There you have it, the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for May 11th, 2020. Thanks to longtime BKP prop Jay Despande for leading another amazing workshop and kicking off the open mic. If you don't know Jay already, uh, you should. He's not only one of uh, the most brilliant contemporary poets running today, but one of our best, if not the best teachers that uh, we have teaching for us today. Um, he is teaching a workshop called The Harvest this summer that uh, unfortunately for you if you haven't signed up is already sold out but he is also teaching same, same? <laughs> some workshops privately on his own that you can sign up for. He just posted about this on his Instagram page. So uh, search for Jay on Instagram if you're not a friend of his already and you'll see his information about that. I'm sure he'd love it if you would sign up. Congrats to Brooklyn Poets fellow Robin Romeo for winning our May Yop Poem of the Month for his extraordinary poem for his mother called The Stylist. Robin has earned free admission to a future Yop and a Brooklyn Poets tote bag, all-important tote bag, and a spot in our 2020 Poem of the Year Smackdown, which will happen in December, hopefully in person. 
Uh, we can only attach that adverb, hopefully, to pretty much everything these days. Our next job comes your way on June 8th, and it will again be hosted virtually on Zoom, uh, unless there is a dramatic turnaround in the next week or so, which is uh, pretty much impossible. Our June 8th yop will be led by Emily Hunt. Some of you may know her from taking a workshop uh, with her before through Brooklyn Poets. She is teaching a workshop for us this summer called Influence in Both Directions. And her workshop on June 8th for the yop will give you a little glimpse of what you're going to be doing in that class should you choose to register. Uh, if you would like to register for that yop, go to brooklynpoets.org. Look under events in the menu, click on YOP, and you will see the sign up page there. Uh, you do need to sign up in order to register on Zoom for the event. We're asking for a $5 donation. We are taking these donations to continue to help out our longtime venue partner, 61 Local, which is, of course, shuttered right now during the pandemic. Uh, they are raising money for their staff through a GoFundMe campaign. If you want to donate to that just independently, Google 61 Local and GoFundMe and you should find it. Uh, they're still well short of their goal, so please donate to them if you can. Uh, for our June 8th YOP, we'll also be donating to One Community, a nonprofit working to reduce inequality and dismantle divisions in the Fort Greene and Clinton Hill neighborhoods of Brooklyn. Currently, by delivering groceries and protective gear to 800 seniors and other vulnerable people who lack a way to get food safely. Uh, One Community is led by Jed Marcus, husband of Jessica Greenbaum, who many of you may know as a Brooklyn Poets uh, faculty member and amazing Brooklyn poet. So uh, we're happy to help them out in June, and we will tell you other ways that you can help them out during that event should you join us virtually. Uh, we already got about 40 people signed up, and each of these virtual yops have uh, reached capacity pretty quickly. So if you haven't signed up already, definitely do so uh, before it's too late. Uh, we would love it if you would rate us on iTunes, give us five stars, leave a review. Definitely helps other people find us and find these poets who uh, are amazing, as you know, if you've listened to this whole thing. Uh, we thank you for listening. We hope you are healthy and safe, as are your loved ones. And we will see you in June for our next podcast. Take care.